one. Oh my goodness. I have not talked to you on this podcast in a couple of months. And honestly, I am I'm still kind of on a hiatus from it because the pandemic has really taken over the way that I can interview people. And honestly, I hope to in 2021 understand the technology that so many podcast people have been using, which is a dial-in or a Zoom or some sort of Skype situation. I'm just not technologically sound on what exactly they're using and what type of equipment I would need. But I hope to have the podcast up and running in 2021. However, this is a holiday special because the last thing I would want is for you to be alone on the holidays. And I know because of this insane year, a lot of us are going to be alone in some capacity over the holiday break. And so if anything, I hope to take over at least an hour of your time of your loneliness that you may be feeling and have a voice here for you. And so what better way to soothe you than be completely narcissistic and answer a bunch of questions from my terrestrial radio audience? Um, which is something I wanted to do both for the podcast, but also for my my radio audience for my shows on Casey. You know, I asked them, what would you want? And many people said a podcast episode because I've been a slacker since October. So here it is. And I said, well, okay, you got to help me with the content because I don't have anybody to interview. So I'm interviewing myself through questions that listeners submitted. So here we go. Let's start off. Matthew Dar says, do you listen to music that is not played on Keishi? And if so, who are your favorite groups and their albums? Yes, I listen to the Deftones, like their entire catalog, including their newest album. I listen to Jenny Lewis, her newest, her latest album called On the Line, which is incredible. Gary Clark Jr.'s Black and Blue, New Run the Jewels. And yeah, I listen to all sorts of genres. I don't really get into country music as much. I do have some Marin Morris on my on my um, Apple Music, but I don't dabble in country as much. Now, classic country like Patsy Cline, absolutely. I'm trying to think of what else. I listen to a lot of music that we do play on Keishi. Like, You Man has helped me expand my rock ear to the classics that he plays on his show on Sundays. And I really enjoy a lot of music from that era, like a Zebra and Alan Parsons Project and goodness, who else? Lake. So there's a lot of music I do listen to that we don't play often on Keishi, but we do sometimes. So hopefully that answers your question, Matthew. Lee T. Immenderfer Jr. asks, what is the craziest thing you've seen happen while people watching at a concert? Now, I love people watching. I think I got into this not too long ago on social media. I was talking about how people watching is one of my favorite things to do. And I do. I love watching the band, obviously, on stage that I'm there to see. But looking around and watching people dance or make out or get hammered drunk and just be dancing around like a fool, like all of that stuff is completely entertaining to me. Not that I would be like a total perv and watch somebody like getting down with each other, like make it out wise. But um, I love seeing people just living. It's I miss that. I miss that in the year 2020 so much. But the craziest thing I've ever seen happen while I was at a show, I went down to the Blues Fest that was happening at Laclede's Landing back when that used to be a thing. Unfortunately, it's not as much anymore. And I, Tim and I, we were walking away from the music and I think we were walking to our vehicle and we saw these two white guys just start scrap fighting in the middle of all that cobblestone 
roadway, you know, and there's people everywhere. And one of the guys was incredibly intoxicated. And I watched that guy get knocked out and it was terrifying. And luckily the police were there and got involved and um, took both men into custody. I surely hope that that guy who got the nights locked out of or nights or lights knocked out of him. I sincerely hope that he was okay. I've seen many fights in my life, mainly with men. And this one was the worst I'd ever seen in person. So that was the craziest thing, Lee. All right, on to the next. Steve Bunk asks, boxers or briefs? LOL. Oh, LOL. I'm saying briefs. And I don't know, because I'm not a dude, I briefs I'm thinking are tight shorts, right? Not the whitey tighties. I don't know what those, I mean, isn't that just underpants? I don't know. Briefs. I think my husband wears briefs. He wears the tight little jogger shorts. <laughs> um, boxers, definitely not. I feel like boxers had their heyday in the 90s, both for men and women. I remember I would buy boxer shorts and then wear like khaki shorts on top of them and you'd let a little bit of the boxer hang out. Like, what was that? What was that style, mom? I have no idea. <laughs> but I was wearing stuff like that. Um so yeah, I would say I am a briefs person, Steve. By the way, I sometimes wear Tim's briefs. Like if I'm going to wear like a sundress to a concert, I'll put on a pair of his little, I'm saying little, like he's a man, um, his, his boxer brief short things. I, w- I'll, I would wear them. Anywho, Matt Muffley asks, what is one artist dead or alive that you would have liked to have met, interview, see in concert that you never could have? Well, Obviously, Jimi Hendrix. I did not live in that time. I don't I don't think I um, – I don't know. I feel like I would have dated him and he wouldn't have passed away. I feel like I would have saved his life or something because I just love him. I love his music and his style and every part of him, his history. And he's from Seattle. I just – I love Jimi Hendrix. So, yeah. But more than recently, you know, Tom Petty was – going to be in concert in 2017. Well, he was in concert and I had an opportunity to go to that Tom Petty show and I passed it up like an idiot. And so I will always regret not seeing Tom Petty and of course, interviewing him or meeting him. So there you have that. Mike Andy Hackett says, where do you think rock and roll is headed? Greta Van Fleet is killing it, yet people call them Led Zeppelin ripoffs. Is rock and roll going to survive? Double question mark. I think it is completely up to us as music fans to keep our minds and hearts open to music. I find, and I really am a researcher of this topic because I get a nice sample of rock audience with Casey's listenership. And I see how we don't necessarily have open arms anymore for new music. In fact, that's why we don't play new music right now because our audience just didn't want to hear it. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because bands like Greta Van Fleet remind us of older bands that we loved first and originally. But if you think about it, all music since the dawning of time has influence and replication from an influence before, right? So Greta Van Fleet, absolutely, they, they're on record saying that they are influenced by Led Zeppelin and Rush. Led Zeppelin, heavily influenced by the blues music of the United States. In fact, ripped off a lot of music (laughs) from the blues, you know, didn't give appropriate credit as things were happening to like Willie Dixon, right? So I think that 
it comes with age. And I think a lot of rock fans from the 60s and 70s are like in their 60s and 70s now. And their minds aren't as open. And that really sucks because there is a lot of really great rock out there. And it's not just rock. I mean, you have to kind of open your mind in that way, too. There is a lot of genre melting happening. And I feel like that is the new level of rock and roll because rock and roll is not meant to be taken comfortably. You are supposed to be uncomfortable with rock and roll. That's what it is. And so I guess I would say I would put it back on Mike and all the listeners possibly have an issue with this. Put it on yourself. Is the rock music that's coming out right now making you uncomfortable? That's what it's always been. So this is on you to make sure that it continues to evolve and happen. That's my brain. <laughs> um, and it's on us. I mean, Casey could use the dose of its own medicine with me saying that. I mean, I would love to be able to break new bands and to interview young young people. I mean, all the people that I've gotten to interview are way older than me. Some of them don't even want to do interviews anymore because they've been doing them for 50 years and they've had it. And, you know, so it'd be really cool for me being 35 to be able to break new bands and talk to some up and comer rock stars, because one day these bands are going to be legendary, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. The underground that's happening of rock fandom, I mean, they're still selling out crowds and being influential to young people. So it's through the chain of life that these bands will have their status set in history, just as all these pioneers of the blues and of the, you know, 60s, 70s rock eras did. So I don't know. It's on us. Open our damn minds. Steve Fuller asks, is it unbelievable sitting at home thinking about the job you have or intimidating coming to work every day considering the history? You know, at first it definitely was. I remember when I got my break for full-time on air in 2012 with you, man, and we started the Casey Morning Rock show, I remember being so nervous. And if John took a day off and I had to host the morning show by myself, I would, and this might be TMI, I would have to have a bathroom break before we went on live at six because I was so terrified. I was like giving myself IBS. Um, And so that really sucked. But then I've been doing this now for almost nine years. And now it is so comfortable to me. It's like being at home. So yeah, it's very natural now, but there was a time and it probably took me a good year to get my, get my roots in there and realize I am worthy of this job that I worked really hard to get where I am, that the gifts of my promotions and of the trust of having me host a show, and especially even now having my own show in Afternoon Drive, I, I have to remind myself that the imposter syndrome exists and that I am worthy of my accomplishments. And it's really hard, I think, especially for women, as I've heard and read and felt with other people that I've talked to about this, it's hard for us to believe that it's true that we are worthy of the success that we own. And I'm here to say on record here in 2020 that I own it. I'm, I'm, I love being a part of these legendary airwaves and I hope to always add something new and to add, you know, I hope I'm a, I'm a step, even half of a step into the future for Keishi because I want, I want it to exist. And I, I honestly, I cannot tell you enough how much care and love and admiration and respect I have for the last 53 years of these airwaves. I don't wish to change it or make it my own or, you know, ruin it. I really want to preserve it, and that's why I love you, man, and Mark Close, and Ron Stevens, and Joy Gridnick, and Favaz, and Katie Cruz, and 
literally everybody that came before me, I look at them and I go, wow, I am just, I love all of your personalities and who you are. And I'm forever in awe that I even get to grace your presence. Like that's incredible to me. So no, I'm just very grateful and I feel very um, completed having the success that I've had, to be honest. Bryce Kirkland says, name your top three people you've met artist wise. Now, I'm going to talk about this on the phone and in person because it's two different things. I meet a lot of people through the phone. I've interviewed a lot of fantastic humans, but my top three favorite phoners that I've had, two of which happened this year, Mick Fleetwood and Rob Halford, completely beside myself with Mick Fleetwood, could not even believe I was talking to him. I mean, it it was almost like talking to Stevie Nicks for me. It was otherworldly. Rob Halford, and I made Mick Fleetwood laugh, which was incredible. Rob Halford and I, I think when he comes in town with Judas Priest, he and I may be best friends. That's how I left the conversation. I felt like I really connected with him and that he was interested in who I was and he was present for that entire interview. And I love him even more than I already did. And then finally, Roger Waters, which was a few years ago, got to talk to him He was also incredible, so present, so respectful of me. You know, sometimes you talk to artists and they don't care and they just they've done it all. They've seen it all. You're a woman. They don't give a shit what you think. You know, Roger Waters was in. We could have talked for another 20 minutes like it was that type of conversation as far as in person, because that's exciting, too. I've gotten to meet uh, Getty and Alex from Rush twice with my husband, and that was really fun because they were really sweet. Joe Perry, I got to meet him. That was the first celebrity I'd met through Keishi. Favaz let me crash the studio. And then Steve Gorman, I've gotten to meet because of Favaz as well. I've gotten to crash and pick up Steve Gorman a couple of times in my car. Um, Steve Gorman of the Black Crows, who's the drummer, he's just such a cool dude and another one of those guys who I just felt so naturally just being myself with, and he was very just lovely. So that's six. Bryce, I know you only wanted three, but I don't care. (laughs) Timothy Boren asks, so you work for the oldest rock and roll station in the nation. Where would you like to see it go? Honestly, I would like to see Casey expand to a channel on Sirius XM. That sounds blasphemous, being a terrestrial radio lover, but hear me out. There is a terrestrial station that's a pop station. I believe it's in Miami, and they have a Sirius XM channel, and it's really cool because they get to go worldwide with that. I think Casey is worthy of having a worldwide channel, and I think we could do some really cool things after hours, play old material, you know, go unedited um, with things, with music, with shows, and I think it would be really neat. Obviously, never leave St. Louis and terrestrial free radio, but um, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. Next question, Wade Monig asks, what was one concert or tour that hit St. Louis that you regret not seeing? He said, I think you would have loved Soundgarden and Danzig at Mississippi Nights. Well, obviously, yes. I have seen Soundgarden, though. I saw them at the pageant, which was incredible. And I've seen Danzig as well um, at the pageant. (laughs) So, you know, yes, two separate times later years. But I have seen plenty of shows. And the definite tour that I missed. Again, it goes back to Tom Petty's final tour in 2017. I had a free ticket to that show and I just, you know, was like very passe about it. Like, oh, I'll catch him next time. And then he died. And that I've learned my lesson, unfortunately. I love Tom Petty and his music. My dad loved Tom Petty. My mom loved Tom Petty. And that music was throughout my life, you know, even today, even his newer stuff was, we were playing it on Casey. And so, 
for me, being such an idiot and missing Tom Petty's final tour literally was heartbreaking, and I only have myself to blame, so... That would have been it. Jason Cooper asks, what would be your all-time DJ lineup? Your best favorite morning show, midday, drive home, night DJ. Okay. I had to think about this. And I, you know, I have so many damn friends that work in this business (laughs) that I don't want to ruin any of those friendships. So I am going to say that my morning show would be Howard Stern. I remember listening to Howard Stern on The Point in the 90s and early 2000s, right? And I enjoyed Howard Stern's interviews, and I still do. I think that he's an incredible interviewer, so it would be fun to have that back to terrestrial radio. Middays, John Hewlett, because I remember John hosted Middays for a good portion of time when I started at Casey, and I loved going in there and talking to him, and he had different segments called like the Birthday Game and the Lone Classic, of course. And John is... He, he maybe doesn't think that he's good on his own, which is stupid because he is and he hosts a damn weekly show on his own every week and it's like the most loved thing on the radio station. But John is so great with people and by himself and I would enjoy that. So nothing against Close, who is the midday show now at Casey. Afternoon Drive, I'm going to take my girl Kat Corbett uh, from She's now on Sirius XM, but she used to be full-time at KROQ. Now she kind of fills in every now and then because they've had um, managerial changes over there. So I don't really know why Kat left KROQ, but I went out there to see her in L.A. when I was in college because KROQ was a real—I mean, it still is a very cool station out in Los Angeles, legendary station. And I wanted to get my foot in the door, literally. And so I went and I sat in with Kat Corbett for an hour. And she was so cool. And I love her very much. So I would have her an afternoon drive. And the nights, I would take Donnie Fandango from The Point, And I would put him on nights. And I would let him have free control and reign over what you would hear. And I think it would be a really cool subterranean, new music, classic music that he loves type of experience. Donnie is a vast brain and his musical knowledge is incredible. And so, yeah, that would be it. Maggie Essery says, do you see yourself being at KC for the next 30 years from you man to the woman? <laughs> or do you daydream of other adventures? I hope that I can last as long as you man. He's quite the anomaly in the radio business, but that would be really cool. I never expect that or think that that will happen because people get canned all the time in this business. I am not... I am not the exception to the rule. If I do ever, though, get fired or something, I will have to move out of St. Louis to work in radio because I don't like any other station enough. I like the point. I could work over there, but that's like it's down the hall from Casey. So if I got fired from Casey, I imagine I would not work in this building anymore. So, yeah, that's that's it. I don't know if I could work in any of these other stations, and that's a really um, – egotistical thing to say, and I don't mean any offense to any of the other stations. For my soul specifically, I just don't see it meshing. And so that's kind of it. <laughs> I guess I'm I, I'm putting all my eggs in my basket here so they can fire me and they know I won't ever work for the competition. But that's just, uh, that's just how I feel today. However, if I do ever want to do something else, it would probably be in teaching. I would want to go back to school, get a certification or a degree I would love to be a speech teacher or work with people that maybe have a hard time being comfortable with interpersonal communication. I think that there's such a cool concept with interpersonal communication and psychology because of how much we're on our phones. We don't necessarily engage as we used to, especially young people that are coming up with technology all up in their face. 
So that would be something I'd love to do someday. Jared Bangert says, who is your favorite band or artist that's not played on Keishi? That would be the Deftones. They're my all-time fave. Mark Husted asks, do you ever have a bad day? You're always so upbeat and hopeful for all of us in 2021. I can't wait to see you at a big show. Thanks for keeping us going. Oh, I definitely have bad days. I Honestly, I get it out of my system before I come into the studio. Like, if I'm having a shit day, and the last thing I want to do is put my stuff on complete strangers. That's not fair to anyone, right? And my bosses tell me that I'm supposed to be an escape for all of you. I believe that as to be true. But I also believe that I'm supposed to be human to you as well, because I think that's more comforting than just, like, putting a veil over everybody's face. And, you know, if I have a bad day or something terrible happens in the world— we're going to we're going to feel it, you know, and it's not going to be like Pep City USA in here. It's going to be mellow and I'm just going to try and get through it with you. You know, like I think about a couple of days that we had in 2020 when Neil Peart died, when Eddie Van Halen died. Those were bad days for us in the rock business. And I had to not attach my emotion to it and get through it for you. Give you the facts, what you needed to know, play some music for you to help soothe you and also relate to you on a music fan level and understand that I'm there for you. You know, like that's part of what this job is. Like for instance, I I go back to the worst day ever for me being on the radio was when the Sandy Hook massacre happened. And that day was awful. The next day was even worse because that's when everybody was finding out how gruesome and totally just completely terrible everything was And we had to go on the air that morning, John and I, and we were emotional. We were crying off mic and John has little, well, they're not little kids, but he has, he has daughters, you know, he's a parent. He understands the grief and just hole in the hearts of the parents that were dealing with that directly. And then me, I just, I can't imagine a worse thing in my opinion as a person going in and killing little people at school. I just, that's the worst thing that has ever happened in my lifetime. You know, you just have to kind of find it in yourself to be, I don't want to say strong, but you just have to find it in yourself to not put more grief and things and stress on people who are possibly going through something um, themselves. And I know a lot of people listen to the radio to feel comfort and to find something to get their mind off of whatever's happening. And so I try I I try to keep that in my mind always. But yeah, I'm human. I got terrible days. I I lose my shit all the time <laughs> about stuff, you know. I'm trying to be more at peace and more zen-filled. It's hard for me because I get so riled up about things that I cannot control, but this year has definitely taught me some grace. So I'm I'm dealing with that. But yeah, I have awful days too, and I just hope that I can make your days better. Ashley Lore says you are such a cool and fun person. You would make a great mom. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I would be a great mom. I love hard. You know, I love with my whole body and self and heart. I just, you know, I'm, I would be a great mom. I know I would. I just don't think that I want kids. You know, I think that I would be completely responsible, loving. They are your heart walking outside of your body. I know that, you know, sometimes I think, about how cool my mom and my stepdad would be as grandparents. And I get really sad when I think about that because I know that they would love that too. But that is not, as my therapist would help me understand, that is not reason enough to have children because of other people, right? And the joy that it would give them. Now, if I ever do want kids, you damn straight, I will be getting myself some kids. And I have no issues with adopting kids or, you know, I I feel like I'm 30, I'll be 36. 
So I feel like I'm towards the end of that window, at least personally for my decision skills. And so if I wanted kids, I would adopt them. And that would be really cool. Christy Pasha, who is a good friend of mine, asks, what is a Book of Revelations party? And when you host yours, what is this? Who is the one celebrity guest you would invite if they're guaranteed to show up? Now, here's the deal. This is an inside joke. My friends and I, mainly my friends Scott and I, way back in the day, whenever we used to have house parties and get brutally drunk and have metal bands play in my mom's basement, we would make plans for the future. And just like any good group of female and male friends, everybody starts dating each other, right, at some point, and mistakes are made. (laughs) And then parties are awkward. No, the Book of Revelations party was an idea that I want to say Scott and I had where we would essentially host a nude party. Now, this sounds really out of character for me. I'm so sure. But the deal was, it was one of those ideas where it's like, you know what? If we have a nude party, everybody can see all the parts of each other, you know, consensually. Everybody would show up nude if they'd like. And then we would know. We wouldn't have to all, like, date each other and stuff and to find out. And anyway, it seems to be that nobody was ever interested in having this party. Um, in fact, many of our friends would be upset when we would bring, <laughs> would bring it up and would reassure us that it is never happening. But um, I guess we can hold out hope. Actually, you know, after 2020, even though we're all married now and this idea probably would never happen, you know, maybe after we haven't been able to see each other this whole year, everybody who was a naysayer would say, "Eh, maybe I am down. So I don't know. But yeah, it was going to be a nude party. But as you can tell, never happening. And I would have been invited uh, John Hamm Christie. So I hope that answers your damn question. Bringing up inside jokes into this podcast. Heather Banks asks, let's get back on track. Uh, What inspired you to get into radio? Mainly people. I like people. I like talking to people. Of course, music is fun. And I've always been able to be friends with pretty much anyone. So I felt like maybe I'd be well received by people. I do have some haters out there, but that's mainly on them. I imagine I have frenemies too, people that act like they like me, but they secretly hate me. So yeah, I just, I thought that I could be an amiable personality that people would like, and then I could put what I know out there and learn more as I was going and just kind of bring my essence to an airwave. And yeah, it was psychology of it too. I just really enjoy the psychology of radio where you are known by others that you don't know and that you can make or break a person's day pretty easily. I don't know. It's just a lot that goes into it with humanity. And I always like that. Jason Comlos asks, what song would you consider your anthem? I would say there's this song called Make No Sound in the Digital Forest by Incubus. That song centers me, but it's definitely not my anthem. My anthem is probably She's Not Me by Jenny Lewis currently. That song has helped me get through some insecurities I've had or just general needing to have like a girl on my side type of situation. That song's really good. Check that out. Pamela Marshall asks, do you feel that you are a 60s and or 70s girl at heart? Definitely 70s. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And it's because of the organic, natural ease of style that happened in the 70s. I wish I could have been there for it. (laughs) Tony Baloney asks, is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. I'm here to just... Knock this argument into the ground. It is not a sandwich. It is, it's on its own thing. (laughs) Mike Tucker says, what are you looking forward to 
doing when we all get back to a new quote unquote normal post COVID. Honestly, Mike, I am really ready to hug people that I love without being afraid that we will hurt each other. I miss hugging people so much. I hug my husband a lot. I've hugged my mom a few times this year, but not enough. And I hug people. So I that's my thing. And I just can't wait to do that again and not be completely afraid of what could happen. You know, you don't think about that until you're faced with a pandemic where it's highly contagious. So yeah, that's what I want to do. Daniel Lambert says, what is your favorite type of rock music? And I he lists like metal and uh, alternative. I'm going to say classic alternative. I love the 90s grunge. I love the ska that came out in that time, like no doubt. I love The Cure and Cranberries and Oasis, all that pretty alternative music. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Like there was just an explosion of sound to me in the 90s. And I was a kid and I was forming my musical opinion and what I liked for myself. Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, all of that music is legendary to me. And I think a lot of people that are my age would agree. And also, you know, I'm talking a lot about classic alternative, but the hip hop that came out in the 90s too was just excellent. So I am completely in the 90s for all of it. Even the country of the 90s, Garth Brooks. I mean, it was just legendary at that time. Cody Schmidt asks, if you could do an album with any person alive or dead, who would it be and why? I would have recorded rumors and I would have been a member of Fleetwood Mac and I would have been right up in there in that coke in that cocaine fueled uh orgy party that was happening in that band I would have been right up in there in it so yeah that album completely I think that's what you mean also I do not condone drug use Nick Kelly did you fall into rock music on your own or did others like family and friends nudge you into that direction I definitely was set up to succeed with rock because my parents loved it. My dad loved CCR and Bruce Springsteen and Charlie Daniels. My mom, Stones fan, Fleetwood Mac. And then, of course, You Man later in my life helped fuel me in artists that weren't as well known. So, yeah, I've I've always been kind of set up, it seems, by people and my friends, too. I had a bunch of friends that were into punk as we were growing up and that helped make me cool. My cousin Josh was a big influencer with music and yeah, family and friends definitely. But I, like I was saying earlier, the 90s, whenever you're listening to radio, watching MTV and that new music that was coming out in that time, it just shook me. So I got I got a little bit of everything from myself and then from everybody I was around. And I'm still a sponge for music. My friends, my husband, everybody kind of helps me curate a sound like they'll play a song for me and I'll be like, oh, I love that. Like, what is that? You know, that's what. Music is just like food. It's the ultimate connector of people. Reagan Ingley says, if you were to put together a super group, who would be in the band? She says, I can do Alive or Dead. Thank you. I would have Maynard James Keenan on vocals because I love his voice more than most vocals out there. Dave Grohl on drums. Tia Carrera from the fictional band from Wayne's World, Crucial Taunt, on bass. And Robin Trower on guitar. How's that? Andy Barker says, when concerts do return, what concert are you looking for forward to the most, assuming that the band would be touring next year? I was really looking forward to Rage Against the Machine. Tim and I were supposed to see them twice, once in St. Louis, and then we were going to go to Boston Calling Festival. And Boston Calling Festival had Rage... Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, and Run the Jewels on its bill, and all these other bands, too. And we'd never been to Boston, and so 
I'm I was really looking forward to Rage Against the Machine. It was definitely a year for their music because of, you know, being an election year and whatnot. And so I hope that they decide to tour again next year. Uh, I would hope so. So we'll just have to wait and see. But honestly, I can't wait to go to any live shows that I can get my hands on tickets <laughs> because I miss it. I miss dancing with people on a dance floor. I miss rocking out with people and singing lyrics as loud as possible and kissing Tim at a Foo Fighters show during Everlong. I miss all of that so much. And so that's my hope for 2021 is uh, as many damn shows I can put into my calendar, especially now that I'm working afternoon drive. I don't have to get up so early. So, yeah, I look forward to uh, to all the shows next year. Fingers crossed. All right. That was the questions. Not too bad, right? About 35 minutes of your life wasted on my answers. Maybe you could think about these questions too. I know you don't possibly work in radio or maybe you do and you should you should think of them and answer them for yourself. I think as music fans, we're all waiting for that next year of touring to happen and there was a lot of music talk obviously in people's minds for me. I like that people talk music with me, but I honestly I love getting in depth with people about weird stuff. So if you ever have questions, just pop them on the review section of this podcast, or you can always email me. I would welcome all of that very much. I hope that you have a fabulous end of your 2020. I know that that adjective fabulous does not sit well with this year, but my God, we have a vaccine coming. By the way, I will be getting vaccinated. I know that's a hot topic for a lot of people. I am going balls to the wall in on that vaccine. I'm going to get it. I'm going to have hope for it. I don't know how you feel about that. Obviously, you're entitled to what you need to do, but I've never been an anti-vaxxer, and I, um, I'm i not going to start now. <laughs> I get all my shots, man. I am street legal like my cats. But yeah, so I, I look forward to that. I think 2021 has to be a better year than this shithole year that we've lived through. And I'm glad you're here. And I feel like maybe you would need to hear that from somebody. I look forward to 2021. I was telling a lot of people in my circle that if this year could go from great to terrible so fast, we have to be able to have the other side of that spectrum be from terrible to great so fast. So just keep your hopes high, right? And I'm I'm here to be optimistic, obviously, and I'm not trying to escapism you here, but I genuinely have a good feeling about next year. I have nothing to base that on. I listen to a lot of things in my own news circle and my own real stuff that I watch on the news and the channels that I do and the people I follow. And so maybe my outlook is different from yours, but I genuinely have hope for next year and for the future. And I think that this has been a rude awakening for all of us, some ruder than others. There's been a lot of people that have lost their loved ones from COVID or from other things in this year and you weren't able to grieve in the right way. And I just want to say, I'm so sorry. And that my love goes out to all of you who have maybe dealt with that. Grief is a terrible thing. We have a whole episode on it on this podcast. My friend Courtney and I, we talk about losing our dads at a young age. That might be a good podcast for you to listen to if you just need something to connect with about grief. Um, And there's tons of podcasts out there for, for that. And so I hope you know that you're not overlooked or not thought of. And I don't mean any harm by my optimism for the next year of our lives, but you made it. We're here. We're still standing and we're trying our best. And and you're listening to a podcast. So that means you have a phone or money for the internet. So hopefully you're doing okay. Anyway, I want to end it on a good note because this year sucked and I refuse to let it take out my last episode of 2020. <laughs> anyway, let's get into that next year and let's kick its ass instead of letting it kick ours. All right. Peace. Peace. 